a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. The last of the congressional debates will be held tomorrow down at Southern Utah University for Utah's second congressional district. I'll be moderating down there. We'll be broadcasting uh, from down there on campus of SUU tomorrow. And, of course, we've had the uh, candidates in, the challengers, Cassie Easley and Nick Mitchell, have uh, been on the program. And we're really pleased to have joining us back on the program the incumbent Republican Chris Stewart from the second congressional district. Congressman, thanks for joining us today. Boy, thank you so much for having me on. It's great to be with you. Uh, we, we know you have uh, what has to be one of the lar- the largest top to bottom uh, congressional districts in the country in terms of uh, geography. Uh, we are excited to be down at SUU tomorrow to to have the debate. Uh, tell us what do you learn from having such a diverse district in terms of everything from uh, parts of Salt Lake City and part of St. George uh, to a lot of rural communities. Oh my gosh, it is such an interesting district. And if you know, if you glanced quickly at a map of Utah and the second congressional district was highlighted, you'd think I represent about half of the state geographically. It, it, it's not quite, but it sure looks at, it looks close to it. And as you said, Boyd, it's so diverse. I mean, if I hold a town hall meeting up in the avenues in Salt Lake City or down at, you know, West High, uh, and then go to, say, down to Panguitch or Kanab or to St. George, very different interests, uh, different politics. Uh, and, you know, you have to learn to give people a chance to feel like, you know, at least he listened to me. At least he tried to understand what's important to me, whether it's, you know, uh, wild horses, whether it's grazing in southern Utah, whether it's education up at the University of Utah, whether it's you know, one thing I hear a lot now, and of course, is inflation and energy prices. Uh, but even though the district is very diverse with very different political opinions, I really find that if people feel like, look, Chris sat down with me, we talked, we had a good conversation, we might not have agreed on everything, but I feel like he listened to me. Uh, if I do that, I feel like I've you know, really tried to fulfill my responsibilities to them, to represent them. Yeah, and that is the the whole key is to to have those conversations. And I was actually going to ask you about the inflation question because the way that's impacting someone in Salt Lake is a little different from someone uh, from Canaraville. Uh, what what are you hearing as you as you travel the district? Well, and it, it impacts everyone, and it's it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy of our own making is the thing that that makes this even more difficult because it didn't have to be this way. We've gone two generations now without inflation. But when the federal government, under the leadership of this president and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, when they literally spend $10 trillion in a little more than two years, $10 trillion, and then scratch their head when all of those dollars go chasing after the same number of goods and services and wonder why we have inflation. So if you live in the rural part of the state and you're paying 
five dollars for gas and that's not just inflation that of course is driven by an an insane energy policy as well and you have to drive your kids 20 minutes to school or you have to drive you know two hours to get out to to water your cows paying five dollars for gas is a big deal to you uh if you live in a city price of fuel maybe isn't as important but if you're buying bread and milk it does if you have a young family it's important and, uh, you know, we want to avoid situations like with my youngest daughter, who they're just a young family starting out in life, and they don't make a lot of money. And, you know, we love to get our kids who live here in Utah together on Sunday. And she calls and says, hey, Dad, you know, I'd love to come out this Sunday, but we just, we just can't afford the gas. Mm. I mean, that, that's the thing we're trying to, trying to avoid here. And, and that's, the, I think, just a tiny example of the impacts of this and, the, and the, you know, how it makes it difficult for people. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and uh, so many of those uh, issues that uh, that are happening locally and are being expanded out nationally. Uh, and we know in the midst of all of that, we have all of these international dynamics from the Saudis uh, cutting back uh, oil production uh, to Vladimir Putin in Russia. China continues to, to be acting uh, on uh, all kinds of things that impact us here at home. Uh, you sit in a, in a unique position in terms of your committee assignments uh, and some of the things that you've engaged in, both because of your your history uh, and professional experience. Uh, but as you look at those kinds of things, uh, what is the place for America in the world, and and how does that play out as you look at some of those international challenges? Yeah, I think I have a really good example of uh, uh, that I think answers that question, at least begins to answer it. And Boyd, I know that you understand this because you have spoken about it again and again. Uh, and I think that you and I uh, agree on much of this. I was in the Middle East uh, a couple times in the last couple months. I sat down with the national leaders from five or seven different countries in that region. And two things, almost without exception, that they wanted to talk about. Before we talked about business or intelligence concerns or whatever it might be, they all, almost all of them said, hey, what's going on back home? Are you guys going to be okay? Because we need you to provide leadership in this part of the world. And I think, they, I think if you went to Asia, if you went to South America, if you went to Europe, you'd hear the same thing. We need you to provide leadership here. And, uh, and they'd watch what we're doing in our country, and they just shake their heads at it, as anyone would. As, as Americans, we look at this. And, uh, and, and I'll, I'll use Saudi Arabia as an example. I mean, I, I met with the, the crown prince, who essentially runs the kingdom now. And uh, we were talking about energy and their intentions to increase or decrease oil production. And, you know, the thing he mentioned to me was, uh, you know, your president called me a pariah. 
And he said he was going to exclude me from any international uh, conversations. And uh, I think that's a pretty good example of where you have to have a president who has a policy that's going to benefit Americans, and it doesn't help to alienate our friends. The Saudis have been our friends for 70 years. Why in the world are we picking fights with the Saudis? And then go to them six months later and say, gosh, we'd sure love for you to increase oil production. And instead of trying to help us, they remembered some of those disparaging things that were said about them on an international stage and said, well, not only are we not going to increase production, we're probably going to cut it. And the result, once again, because of a fickle policy, is American citizens pay the price. Yeah. I've been meaning to ask you because I think this is such an interesting leadership question. You talk about Utah's or the U.S.'s role of leadership in the world. And it seems to me that the the real test is can you navigate – uh, allies uh, versus partners or allies and alliances and uh, even places like China where we have to compete. We have to go to head, head to head on a number of things from human rights uh, to technology. And we also have to be partners with them in, in economics and dealing with North Korea. Uh, from your unique vantage point there, uh, Congressman, what do you see as the ability to, to navigate that for the U.S. to navigate yeah. that in the 21st century? Yeah, again, it's a great question, and it's a complicated answer. And let me, again, begin to answer it with a couple general observations. Number one is, in those conversations, the American leaders, American leadership, should never lose sight of the fact that they represent America and American interests, and their job has to be to put America's interests first. That's why we elect them president, to protect and to facilitate the, the, the better lives for American citizens. Now, having had that overall goal, then at that point, yeah, you're going to have to have conversations with President Xi in China, even though we consider him a malicious leader. You're going to have to have conversations with some people who don't align with us on, on all of our morals or our d- democratic values. You're also going to have to have relationships with those who do. You know, the, the UKs of the world, the Germanys, the Italys, the, the Japanese. Uh, and, and each of those is a little bit different. Um, but, I'll, but I'll end with this last thought, Boyd, and that is it's far better to go and as best you can around the world and try to make friends and not try to make enemies. The One of the distinguishing advantages we have over China or over Vladimir Putin in Russia is, is that we have allies and friendships that have been steeped in history in many cases. Generations of, of nations looking to the U.S. for friendship, for leadership, for economic benefit. Uh, China can't do that. They just can't. They can compel people to be their friend, but they can't actually form a natural alliance with most nations. And it's one of the most important advantages we have and one that we have to do everything we can to protect. Uh, Representative Chris Stewart, 2nd Congressional District, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. And we'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow uh, along with uh, those on the challenging side. Cassie Easley and uh, Nick Mitchell will all be on the stage tomorrow night at Southern Utah University. We'll be broadcasting live there all afternoon and then we'll be on the debate stage to moderate there. Uh, Representative Chris Stewart, thank you so much for joining us. We will see you at thank, SUU thanks, tomorrow. Sir. All right, we'll step aside for one last commercial break. Come back with some final thoughts on a Thursday here on Inside. Sources on KSL News Radio. Stick around. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. 
and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.